Hello and welcome to the Week in Review. I'm SD Wicket and I'm joined by Luke Perry and Mayor Lagos. Luke, how are you, sir? I'm very well. How about you? I'm good. You're t- taking, a, taking a page out of Mara's book there. Mario, how are you, sir? I'm well. I was actually going to intervene and say I begrudge the fact you've sort of, you know, taken my spotlight as the most polite member of the trio, Luke, but, uh, you know. Well, that was we'll have an amnesty. Well, that was a very polite way of doing it. And yes, you mentioned amnesty. So we'll, from there, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into our first story of the week, which is um, the, the olive branch extended our way by those who attempted to ruin our lives and destroy us financially. Um, yes, yeah, so there's been an article in The Atlantic, which is one of those sort of elite rags. It's, it's not got a particularly wide readership outside of metropolitans. Um, <clears throat> And this week, they have been pushing for what they call a COVID amnesty, which is sort of a, a, a forgiveness of their absolutely torrid behaviour over the last couple of years. Um, we'll start with you, Mario. Um, what do you have to say about this? Uh, well, I, I've i just checked out that article. And in the first instance, I w- I've never been as excited as you two and others have about this issue. Um Possibly, and, you know, although I don't like to think politically or socially in terms of personal considerations, but it might be, I can't discount the fact that I was always affected less by lockdown because I don't live in an urban area. So that might be why, or that might be a contributory factor. But also I took this thing seriously for longer than other people tended to, from what I can divine on the right to this sort of right so i'm not out for blood on um this particular atlantic journalist and i when i looked at her article she isn't necessarily conceding that the measures which were imposed were um wrong morally um the argument is essentially that mistakes were made on both sides which is true um, the so-called lockdown sceptics and um, scientists on their side said things like there'll be no second wave. I forget that that doc, uh, Dr. Carroll was quite big at the time. You know, he said things like there'll be no second wave. And of course, there was a second wave. OK, so there were people who were wrong on that side. And there were people who were utterly and completely wrong on the other side who said vaccines stop uh, prevent transmission they're 100 percent effective it's a pandemic of the unvaccinated the winter of death all these um incorrect statements so um it, the argument is people should live and let live and let bygones be bygones i mean i tend to agree well yeah yeah yes and no so i i i i do agree with you on on, on that front but i think there's, there's more to it than that it isn't just about you know predictions and and, and that's what that and sort of utterances because you know i ultimately don't really care what people say i hear people do and i i, I disagree that it's a, it's it's a, a, a mutual thing because yes you're on on the element of saying things that turn out to not particularly be true yes either side of the divide did you know get things wrong however as far as doing things goes only one side you know shut down schools and businesses only only one side enacted the largest transfer of wealth in modern history only one side forced a a vaccine that had hardly been tested beyond nine or ten months but we were on under the threat of losing their income you know from which there were there were were thousands of, of of injuries and deaths um only one side yet shut down the economy to the point where we're now seeing we're now on the precipice of you know a generational recession um because of the economic uh, damage and also the the high government spending um only one side enacted a massive censorship, uh, regime of, of censorship you know um as far as actions go because i mean actions obviously speak far louder than words do um once one side essentially played tyrant for two years and one didn't well i i agree that many um components of the response were um poor to disastrous um, and without debating into precisely you know are the vac i don't agree with vaccine mandates and so on i don't agree that the vaccines are 
killing i'm not saying you're saying this but if i was to caricature a position which some people hold you know it's killing everybody it's microchips and so on okay so we can debate um although let's not get into every specific measure but we can debate the harms of each specific thing but there is a question which is if the other side would have had their way what would have transpired and for example and again you know, I don't mean to caricature, but these are the names that are coming to my mind. When we think about people like David Icke and Piers Corbyn, who said from day one, no lockdown, uh, no preventative measures. It's all a con. The moon is a hologram. We need to go out on the streets and have a mass rally. OK, well, if we would have taken absolutely no preventative measures at the onset of the pandemic prior to the virus, morphing into Omicron, which was a less virulent strain, there would have been serious problems for the National Health Service. And you would have ended up in a situation where, you know, if you fall out of a tree and break your leg, you, you would be, you know, stuck in A&E for a week, um, you know, because it, there would have been full of um, COVID patients. So, look, it if the, you know it's like when people talk about intervention in the middle east what's the price of non-intervention so we've seen what the intervention does what would have happened without the intervention i yeah i i i i can't imagine it would have been it would have been as as bad i mean some of the things that western governments did in the name of in the name of this you know public public health measure for a virus which is you know was the in the as far as the pantheon of, of pandemics goes it is somewhere near the bottom um it was not, not it was not justified and they they ruined countless lives probably more so than, than were actually affected by the virus in, in terms of dying or being seriously seriously injured um pe pe people i mean look look at the effect on on children for instance you know like um uh curzon our, our, our editor give some great coverage of this um, for the Express saying, you know, that, that there are kids now who have a reading age of, of you know, of, of half their actual age. You know, kids who can't read facial cues. But this is a point. They're, they're deeply traumatised by, by, by what's happened. Um, so to say, you know, that we should just, you know, just just just, just forgive and, and move on. No, I think what, what this did more than anything was it set a precedent that in the interest of public safety, a government can do whatever it sees fit without any contestants. Well, and, the and, and that's dangerous. The, the educational point is one that's made in the Atlantic article. And the issue here is COVID wasn't the Black Death that it was feared to be at the onset. But it also wasn't nothing. I don't agree with it was nothing. It killed something like, maybe slightly less, a 250,000, a quarter of a million people. And the worst flu season we've had, um, you know, in the past decade or two decades killed about 50,000 people. So you're talking about something which is five times as deadly as flu. And you have to remember that there is a vaccine for flu. So, you know, flu kills 50,000 even with a vaccine. And this killed you know, five times more people, even with all the measures we implemented. Now, you might say that's evidence that the measures were ineffective. But that's not evidence that the intent was malign. Uh, and I think intent is important to consider. Uh, but whatever, whatever you're saying, that I don't accept that all the measures were disastrous or that they were intentionally tyrannical. Not to say that actors, agencies and organisations didn't take advantage of the measures in order to sequester power, transfer wealth, and... Because um, uh, that undoubtedly happened. Um, that, and yeah, and that's, that undoubtedly happened. But also, I mean, if you... If, okay, so let's talk about death figures for, for, for a second. I mean, like, it, it's obvious to anyone who's looked at the data that certain demographics were predominantly affected, right? People who had... People who, who were elderly and had... Uh, comorbidities such as diabetes um, and any sort of like immunosuppression, right? For, for, for the for the most part, anyone younger than fifty who got COVID fell under the weather for a week or so, then they were fine, right? I I had COVID, that's why I felt. Luke, you you, you pretty the same, right? Mara, I, I don't know if you had it because it's never come up before, but um, it from for us it it was mild. However, there was an alternative to the universalist approach 
which was the Great Baron Declaration, which was suppressed immediately, right? Which was targeted shielding. And it's now public policy. And it's now public policy, right, right? So there were a lot of things that were done in the name of science, which was elevated to a quasi-religion over, over the last couple of years, that not only failed to prevent the virus because the virus just naturally took its course, right? It's a res respiratory pandemic, which on average is about two years, right? Look at anyone from the last couple of, anyone from the last like century or so, even, even Spanish flu, you're looking at about two years and then it naturally dwindles because that's just how they work, right? Um, yet, so much was done that has caused generational damage, right, to to the economy, to the lives of children, to young people, like uh, mental health, mental health problems skyrocketed, right? People being unemployed and claiming benefits skyrocketed. Um, well, no, the employment rate, the the unemployment was kept um, was kept incredibly low, um, and and still remains very low. Um, because of because of government measures look if people would have locked everybody down sealed them into their houses and starved them to death then yeah i see that would be a, a different order of magnitude but people were paid uh, generously 80 percent of their wages there were all sorts of grants there were all sorts of measures tax relief the deferment of tax um you know it's not as if people were brutalized people were and okay, you might say, well, this has caused a series of long-term economic harms. And I'd say two things to that. One, there's this old song from the 60s in America called We'll All Go Together When We Go, which is about nuclear Armageddon. And I take comfort in the fact that at least the entire West is collapsing all at once and not just us. And it was inevitable anyway. And uh, secondly, it, it goes to intent. Did the government pay furlough uh, because they really intended to cripple the economy? Well, you know, What's occurred is sort of one crisis after another, after another, you know, now we've got Ukraine and we've got um, shortages and then we've got, um, you know, this energy crisis and all the rest of it. So if not for these things, um, we could have began to sort of pour oil over the troubled waters that were caused by COVID, but we've been rocked again. We used all our reserve power, basically, to get through COVID to enforce those measures. And now we're in big trouble. But that the, the recent crisis has amplified the fallout from the last one. I don't think this is all from COVID. I think no, a lot no, of no, 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 no. But also, I, I, I also, I, I resent the notion that um, people, people say, "Oh no, this was this was caused by COVID." I think it was caused by COVID. I think it was caused by COVID measures. Um, anyway, anyway. Do you agree that some just to just to just to finalise, and I'll shut up for a while and let Luke in. Um, do, do you think any measures were necessary? And in your view, what would they have looked like? It's, it's, it is tough. I, 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 I think I personally would have favoured the targeted approach, um, the Great Barrington approach. Um, so to, to put it in a context that, that's kind of personal to me, I was 23 years old, right? I'd just come out of university and I... But suddenly found myself um, unemployed, locked in my home, uh, legally barred from seeing my friends in a time where I I needed those relationships to sort of cope with where I was in life. You know, I was stripped of that. And so for, for a very long time, I was in this just complete pit of despair, you know, and I was someone who was not at risk, um, nor was anyone, anyone that I knew. Um, I, I honestly believe that I could have gone out and socialized and see my friends and it wouldn't have caused some calamity. Um, so on a personal level, I mean, you know, we, we, you know, cause obviously there are two simultaneous realities. One is your, your own life and one is society at large. Right. And I think for, for me personally, it was immensely damaging. Um, the only, the only good thing I can think of is that I, I'd, I had time to read, you know, I read a lot of books. Um, I mean, apart from that, I mean, societally, no, it 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 it's create it created a precedent within the, within the pathology of the ruling elite that, that this sort of thing, the public will go along with this sort of thing, right? Regardless of whether or not it actually works or not, the public will now go along go, at large will go along with the fact that if the if the state and if the police and the media tell you that for any reason you must stay in your home until until we're told otherwise, they will do it, and that is as far as precedents go, that is the biggest legacy of COVID.
and the one that is the most terrifying to me. But um, anyway, Luke has been remarkably quiet all episode. Uh, I, I've, I've been enjoying this this turn fro between you two. Because because it's it's you know it's done in good faith. Mario, Mario and I are friends who happen to have a disagreement on this. No one, no one's an well. We're not NPCs, so we we have our own minds. Yeah. But uh, so give my take on the amnesty in particular. It is clear. It is clear that the powers that be think that it's been a bit of a bit of a mistake, and uh, that's why um, this thing has not continued. And luckily, they're able to pivot over to Ukraine and other stuff. But the uh, the issue with the Atlantic piece is uh, it's a feign of ignorance. There's uh, no apology, right, based on the collateral damage caused by lockdowns. And uh, it's also very uh, suspicious timing because, do you smell that? It smells like midterms are around the corner. <laughs> and uh, that, that's been the theme since the turn of the year. They could not have continued lockdown for so long because the damage was becoming far too great for even the voters who were under the sway of mass formation psychosis to even tolerate. And we're going on to the bit about you know, forgiveness. Yes, I believe in the end we should forgive. But things have to happen beforehand. Number one, they have to admit that they have done wrong, not just plain ignorance. And two, there has to be restitution. This is coming slowly. I think in um, in New York, the vaccine mandate was struck down and um, those struck off were initiated with, uh, with back pay. But some of the tyranny is still going on. I mean, the, the unvaccinated still can't enter the United States. In this country, um, training nurses are uh, still under vaccine mandates. Um, Dr. Peter McCullough, uh, a cardiologist and one of the, the sort of the, the top lockdown vaccine skeptics, he's been struck off his medical record. It, it, he's been struck off his uh, profession for um, basically questioning the um, the pandemic response. So, um, so long as this is forgotten, the precedent has been set for it to happen again. And one of the hashtags on Twitter in this circle has been hashtag never again. But that's never been promise made by um those that initiated i think one thing too that is is a, a a real indictment of the last couple of years especially from the, from the media um who are, who I, I would probably give the, the the cake of biggest villains of this whole thing to um is essentially them them in the state i mean in sort of not necessarily in cahoots but in in, in convergent interests um sort of in inheriting their coercive power to the public right yeah. the, the amount of times that, that that these measures were policed by the public you know you sort of mm -hmm. you know you've seen the videos of you know the, the mask karens even though i i, mm -hmm. I can't understand that word um you know, I've seen videos of you know uh, people people getting like thrown off of trains because they weren't wearing a face mask, or people being you know, um, I've seen uh, people saying you know that they they banned their adult children from coming to Thanksgiving because they, they aren't vaccinated, or you know, like the the way that people were, people who were very receptive to messaging, were so pumped full of fear that it warped their minds probably permanently, mm -hmm. um, especially people people who are slightly older, you know, um, you know. These these people were again their their earnest faith in 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 the media and in and in 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 the system as a whole is so strong that they turned into a, a, a culture of snitches. You know, I I you know I I I, I was personally interrogated by neighbours for having friends over or for at one point for not clapping. Um, <laughs> You know, like the, the way the way in which the public by in large has been just utterly warped by this is another one of the the, the legacies of, of COVID that will linger on for a very long time after the fact. Um, not to mention that, you know, if you're what, if you're six years old, seven, seven years old, you've never known normal schooling. Um, go on, Luke, sorry. So, yeah. The, the unlocking of fear ha was um, one of the, the great catalysts for, for lockdown because, as I say, it divides society, you can rule it. And uh, But what it also unlocked is very interestingly what, what I've seen. It's, it was also a cause of slacktivism as well. You know, you know, back, back in the old days, you've had to you know, go to foreign seas and wage war against this nation for, for, for your own glory and riches. 
now all you have to do is just to get yourself some brownie points is you know slap on a mask slap um you know and i've been vaccinated profile picture on facebook and um you can tell just the inconsistencies with the elite but that, that's a different matter but with ordinary people i mean at university i was speaking to people who are really in favor of lockdowns like yeah you shouldn't go out we should stay home if if we unlock you know the pubs and people are going to die and then the next night they would go around at someone's houses in violation of the law with with a contingency plan that if the coppers were to show up they would jump the fence right because that's because that's what i don't get because the, they turned a fanatical devotion to covid diktats into a higher status opinion yeah yeah the opinions that many could have thought to have i mean i mean they say like politics is downstream of culture or something and that everything is downstream from technology this lockdown would not have happened 10 15 years ago no one would have had the personal laptops the smartphones the endless streams on netflix mm. schooling could not have been done remote i mean it, it still can't be done remote but yes it's just this highly technologized society where the uh, the ones who rule the roost that the pencil pushing office class that they i'm sure had a great time mm. Mm. maria do you want to i want to come back on um, a few things which i'll do succinctly i do really sympathize with people who were 18, 19, coming of that sort of age, who never were able to go to a pub, were never able to go to a nightclub, weren't able, I can, I can really understand, or, you know, various other particular circumstances. I can really see why people... It was would. half my university life in lockdown. Yeah. Right, see, um, you know, I, you know I, I, I'd finished uh, university and, 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 you know, by quite some time. Um, so... Yeah, look, I, I can see why people resent it. Um, what's interesting is we talked, New York was mentioned and the mandates there. Um, Maloney in Italy has rescinded the mandates, has re-employed all the medical workers who were sacked for not having taken the vaccine. And I believe they've been reimbursed back pay for the duration. Um, and the other thing is Robert Malone was mentioned, a mass formation psychosis was mentioned, which was something that Robert Malone said. And I'm not saying he invented it, but that was one of his talking points. And the reason I was always skeptical about lockdown skepticism is because it had, in my view, awful spokespeople. I never thought Robert Malone was even approaching credible. And when he said, Hitler came to power because of mass formation psychosis, and this is exactly like that. This is mass formation psychosis. I thought this guy is just—he's just a chancer. He's just—he's just, he's just well, a yeah. because that's, that's never been a serious position about how Hitler came to power. That's just Goblin's law. It's, 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 it's just Goblin's law, isn't it? Yeah, essentially. Um, and so I never liked the spokespeople. Um, the last point is we're talking about people being controlled and being snitches and conforming to the um um sort of this the the um hypochondriac culture which after a certain point was clearly absurd i mean was was obviously absurd and you you have these people still now who um i mean you don't see them on the streets because they don't leave the house but that you did a poll the other day and, and 10 percent of people 20 percent said they would support bring, bringing back the rule of six and you know so, so, 40, 50, 60%, you have to look up the polls. So they support face masks. Now, a lot of this is just signaling. They're just they're just signaling their obedience to the to the, to the science or whatever. But one thing I want to say about that, which is more important, is that that's just how all people are in all places at all times. People, 95 to 99% of all people will conform to the authority figures. And that's not something to be resented because if we came into power, you know, they just go along with whatever we said. Yeah, no. We control the organs of the state. That's that's true, and and that's why my animus is towards elites rather than those who are affected by it. You know, yeah. I, I I just I, I just view them as being mirrors of mass communications. Um, the smoking gun for the fact that the, the the measures were wrong and that COVID wasn't dangerous is because look at the hypocrisy of people who had all the information available and still choose to break it very, very early on. There was a uh, Niall Ferguson, of course, who um, 
traverses himself across London to um, shag his married mistress. Yeah, and, and these are cases all over the world. Yeah, I mean, they yeah, like it, it was it was a uh, Newsom in California. It was uh, yeah. the 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 current his name the, the guy in uh, the guy in New York who yeah uh, Nancy came... Pelosi as well not wearing a mask. Yeah, I mean they mask they were mandate San Francisco. They weren't thinking, oh, if I die, I die. They weren't afraid. No. Um, they, yeah, they were, sort of, they were sort of laughing about it, you know. And, I mean, Nancy Pelosi went down to Chinatown at the outbreak of this virus. I'm saying hug people, right? Right, and was dancing in the streets saying about how she loves Chinese people. Um, and But, I mean, you know, but that narrative, none of these narratives are um, entirely cogent because it was Donald Trump who introduced the vaccines that so, that so many rail against. It was Nancy Pelosi who in the first instance was dancing in Chinatown and then said the measures weren't strict enough and the borders weren't closed fast enough and there weren't enough, you know, uh, uh, so on and so forth. So uh, everyone's, um, the narrative, people are ducking and weaving, changing their narratives, changing their positions all the time. I said we should have a second lockdown. No, you didn't. We should have had that. So it's actually hard to say what the elite did or didn't want at any given time. Um, because there, there were so many sort of tendrils going off in different directions, doing different things and, and clashing with each other. So although obviously it was an elite imposition, but it's just difficult to say which elite was imposing what at which time. Listen, my, 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 yeah, my take on it ultimately is this, right? And it, it's not even necessarily about <clears throat> COVID and COVID measures. It is essentially the elites aren't evil because they introduce these measures. They introduce these measures because they're evil, right? Um, these people who are power hungry sociopaths who have no scruples and have no qualms about sacrificing an entire nation, purportedly their entire nation, for. The pursuit of power. I mean, I do think if you under the surface of all of this, you know, all the health egalitarianism is just a Machiavellian pursuit of power, which, which in a way I do kind of respect because, you know, I think that is just the nature of power, right? And, you know, uh, as, as much as I despise people, I can't fault them for understanding power and wielding it because that is just the name of the game, right? That is politics, right? It, but it, 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 again, it's just, it's just because we, we have an elite who are so utterly corrupted that um the these measures just they had no interest in, in following themselves I mean, as, we, as as we've discussed you know they they were partying they were having their masks off you know i mean there was a dozen clips of politicians who had their masks mask on for the camera and then as soon as you know <clears throat> the photo was taken they, they they took them off right or uh, there's a video of you know johnson taking his mask off for the second he end second he was about to enter uh Downing Street, right i mean it's all it was all it was all a show um, and I do believe, and you know, this is this is perhaps my conspiratorial nature coming through that um, this was just a justification of power. Because again, there there was an alternate route which involved a target shielding of those who were actually vulnerable to the virus. You know, I mean, a virus for whom the majority of the population will, will experience five to seven days of, of general general discomfort right like again, again I, I had covid it wasn't pleasant it, it wasn't a cakewalk but at no point was my life in danger at no point did i need to go to hospital and bear in mind you know i'm i i, I, I mean yeah i mean fairly decent nick but I, I, i'm a smoker you know my lungs are probably probably the, you know, the, the color of a, of, a, of a locked phone screen um but at no point was, was my life in danger because I'm one of many cohorts who are not at risk and who are not at mortal risk from this. You know? Just to give an example of the way that the science dodged and weaved, they initially said that so much damage was inflicted on Italy in the early days because it was a, a population which um, aging. heavily smoked. Right. Also, it's an aging, aging population as well. Uh, an age, yeah, of course, and multi generational housing and so on. But one of the one of the reasons they said was because they're heavy smokers. Um, but then in France, they began giving their um, 
doctors nicotine patches because they realized that actually people who smoked were more resilient to covid and you can read about this in sky news or any mainstream institution i actually started smoking again when covid broke out because i i read it and then i just started smoking my lungs lungs have been whooping cancer's ass for a decade i'm I'm built i'm built different son But no, I mean, yeah, I mean, we'll probably end up doing the whole episode on this because there is so much to go into because it is such a bizarre time to think back on, you know, think back to the images of, of, you know, children on a playground in little rings chalked onto the floor, you know, or people uh, in like band in school playing the the clarinet through a hole cut in their mask, you know, or people. I mean, that, that clarinet thing is obviously mental and the kids thing. I mean, it does look mental and it was probably wrong but you have to think some of these kids would have been going back to a household with their grandparents in it they would have been going back to a with a you know and if you would have had the benefit of time and of the you know in the fullness of time and then with hindsight and all the rest of it but i can understand why these kind of measures which look totally, they look like something out of a Terry Gilliam film now, particularly the clarinet with the mouth hole and everything. I can, I'm, I'm not saying I can understand that, that's obviously retarded, but the, the isolation zones, the bubbles, the staggered school, um, leaving the schools and everything. I can, I get it. I mean, that, that just, I'm not saying it was effective. I'm not saying it was the best thing, but that, there's a logic that underpins that from, from my perspective. What was one of the most malicious things that, that that appeared to me about the whole pandemic is it was a sacrifice of the young in favour of the old. Now, I know um, Lord Sumption was talking about uh, was it quality assured years, but how um, although death is tragic, can't really avoid it. And um, in an age of a pandemic of a respiratory virus, it's it's going to hit the vulnerable. And I think someone made a good point in Daily Mail about a year ago of how the, the sort of the political system that we've set up invited these draconian lockdowns because everyone must be, you know, safe and secure, regardless of whether nature says otherwise. Now, I know all deaths are tragic and it's painful to lose a family. Why not? I lost a, um, my grandmother's cousin in, in the early days died to a COVID uh, alone in a care home, if you have it. But it's, 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 not, it's not really something you could wipe off the face of the earth. You can't, you can't get rid of disease. Disease has been around far longer than we have. You see, that's another thing, is, is that the people who, 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 who died alone. Yeah. Um, that's the part that is, I think, the most inhuman part of it all. You know, the, the sheer fact that, you know, I mean, because there, there are... It's a question of, you know, do you, do you, do you um, sort of postpone death by a couple of years at the expense of the things Probably that... Probably more death. The things that make the things that that make life, you know, worthy. You know, the 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 spontaneity of life. The you know things things like dignity. You know, um, I always found it deeply indignifying to wear a face mask. You know, um, I always found it to be uh, utterly pointless and humiliating. You know, or, or I, I'd almost compare it to. Um, Havel's uh, greengrocer who puts the sign in his window, right? It's it's just a, it's a purely performative measure that doesn't actually do anything. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh... I think the argument that uh, I think you can say I'm not saying I necessarily agree or disagree with it because it's a big thing to consider. Is you could have gone into it and said, you know, some of you may die, the old people, but that's a price you're willing to pay. Okay. You could have done that. And you could have said, we're going to implement, you know. But then again, you still come back to the early wave, the um, the capacity in the health service and so on. And when, and when we're talking about people who die of COVID, there's no doubt that there are people whose lives were cut short by about 10 minutes from COVID and they were called a COVID death. But the average who, age of a COVID death was higher than the life expectancy. Right, but that's what I'm about to come on to. This is a common statistical... I don't, I don't want to say misunderstanding because that sounds I don't want to say I'm misunderstanding things, but it's, it's basically wrong. The reason the reason it's wrong is because now I, I don't have this perfectly in my head because I haven't looked at this for a while. But the idea was and there's a famous Boris Johnson quote, he said, get COVID, live longer because the average de- uh, age of death with COVID was 83. But the average age of death 
in the UK is 82, right? But if you live to be 82, assuming some force of God doesn't strike you down, like you get hit by a bus or whatever, you will live to be 92. You know, your chances of living to be 92 or 100 or, or 105 or in, in sort of Luke's generation, um, to be 110, which is entirely plausible, your chances are, 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 are really good. Um, so, it, so yeah, you said, well, people are dying at age 82, which is the average, but that average includes people who die at one month old, people who die at a car crash at age 20, people who get shot to death, people who get stabbed. So that it's, it, it, there's a lot of misleading stats like that, um, which again is one of the things why I'm continue to be skeptical about about the skepticism. Well, it's, it's, it's only natural to be, but um, if we were to, to apply this law of, okay, we prevent you from having COVID at 83, you live to 95, but surely heavy-handed measures can be applied to everything else. I mean, a common cause of death for young people was um, road accidents. This was certainly the case when we were growing up, we'd all have the PSAs in school about walking across the road safely, and that's still a big killer of young people. If we were to say, okay, just forego having a car, we're going to just put trains everywhere again, we'll make Extinction Rebellion look like child's play, we'll, we'll make road traffic accidents nil. Okay, well then that um that may impact, say, you know, ambulance times if um they're all electric, have to be charged up. And again, that, that could be stratified to um to every other issue. If um we tackle youth suicide and stick them all on SSRIs, it may li likely make it worse, given the science on <clears throat> those drugs. Well, it could be, but we've gone to inordinate levels in order to make driving as safe as possible. Um, Nothing can ever be too safe. You're never gonna, you're never gonna reach zero. You're never gonna reach utopia. No, but if you think that your lifetime chances of dying in a car crash is one in two hundred, so that's zero point five percent. Okay. Mm. Um, however. Most of the people who are dying in car crashes are drunk drivers and drug drivers and, you know, um, so if you discount all the people who um, suicide themselves in cars or are drunk drivers or make boy races or whatever, your chance of actually dying in a car crash is, you know, one in hundreds and thousands, and that's over a lifetime. Um, and also, just to conclude, Dying in a car crash isn't contagious. That's the other thing. It kind of can be though. I mean, you, you mentioned you mentioned like drunk drivers, drug drug drivers. I mean, if you if you're you're buying with your car and you're a law abiding safe driver and you stop at a red light and someone just plows into the side of you because they're drunk driving. That's not if we were to apply that the logic of lockdowns, the logic of um uh, road accident deaths. They'd get rid of alcohol if most are um if most accidents are caused by drunk driving then just get rid of um that initial focal point hmm. we're, we're, we're possibly straying here into two sort of meta points you know so the, the the two aren't like for like um i think one i mean you know because we're here to discuss covid so let's, let's sort of return to that i mean discuss the, amnesty the, the question ultimately ultimately is um um you know if if you are someone who you know is say you're type 1 diabetic and you're morbidly obese and you're 68 years old right and if you catch covid you're, you're not necessarily guaranteed to die but you're probably going to be quite seriously ill right and you you know you kick off at me for not wearing a face covering and Sainsbury's right should you not take it upon yourself as someone who who is knowingly vulnerable to avoid those situations? You know, I mean, it's I, I'm aware that it's it's like a sort of a utilitarian, you know, um, you know, greatest happiness principle type thing. But I mean, you know, the I I I, I just can't see the logic behind a universal approach to lockdown other than it being some sort of grand collectivist thing you know like we're all in this together well we're all we're all in it together as far as you know this awful thing is happening to us whether you look at it from the point of view of a virus or or lockdowns i mean ultimately the risk of covid is, isn't universal it's not 
no, but the, the the level of risk isn't universal. But if you look at the government's early projections before they did that first big budget where they announced the furlough scheme and they announced these, because prior to that, they had announced the abolition of business rates for a year and a series of measures which seemed radical, which were subsequently blown out of the water by this ginormous budget where they said, we're going to pay 80% of everybody's wages, it's going to cost hundreds of billions and we're, we're shutting down. Um, so if you remember that time, the government was operating on the basis that everybody would continue to work, but that 25% of the entire workforce would be off sick at any one time. And they realised that that just wasn't plausible. Um, so, I mean, I remember having a debate with my friend at the time, and he said, why can't we just go to festivals, all those young people go to festivals, all the old people stay at home, and we'll all just go out. Can you imagine how many people go to Glastonbury? Is it about 200,000, 300,000? It's probably about 100. And I've never been. Imagine putting on an event like that, you know, in the first wave of COVID where it's at its most virulent, okay, so which would have been around the summertime, and you have 300,000 people, you know, COVID would have gone around that place within a week. You have 300,000 people who were just sort of uh, ill in their tents, unable to move. And if uh, if 1% of those people get into difficulties, you're fucked. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think, yeah, of course, of course, if you're fat and diabetic, you're at higher risk. And I don't think people should be um, fat. I don't, you know, I think we should re reorganize society, reorganize the way we, uh, you know, think about ourselves and, but that's but that's not where we are. We have to deal with where, where we are, and there are fat and diabetic people. And I don't think they. I'm not saying you are saying this, and I'm I'm trying not to. So I want to make clear. I'm not. I don't think they you know deserve to be ill or that it's incumbent on. I mean, so on, so my, on them to you know. Yeah. So okay. So so my my girlfriend's diabetic right she's type one isn't her fault it's it's you know it, it's, it's hereditary she was born with it um she got covid you know she was she wasn't like hospitalized she, she was she was in bed for about three or four days she was you know felt a bit worse for wear kind of got a bit of a battering from it came out of it she was fine she she she, she, she never got the jab um yeah, I know a guy. Uh, I mean, I mean, granted, she was twenty-one at the time, so I mean, I don't know how, how much that relates, but I know a guy who was in his sixties with diabetes and other conditions, who was overweight and had COVID about three times and was totally fine on each occasion. Barely knew he had it. He was he was. Um, suffered through covid much more happily than i suffered through covid um you know mm. I, I didn't have the vaccine but you know yeah COVID... nor did I. I i i caught it last christmas and i kind of i, I literally i was just I, the weird thing to me was that my back felt really sensitive so like so whenever my yeah. clothes kind of like brush my back and kind of tickled that's like that's the, that that's the, that, that and like i i felt very it felt like getting man flu, you know. When you I just, feel like right. I had that too. Now that you've said it, yeah. Like I, basically for me, it felt like man flu, you know. You know, what, you know. What, for me, I was I was walking down my stairs, and you know when you you haven't eaten for an extended period because you've been working on a project or something, then your brain goes really foggy, and you think, "Wow, I'm just totally out of it. I need to eat something immediately." And I was walking down my stairs, and it just went bang total brain fog and i thought i need to eat something i've not eaten for too long and i went and like made an entire pizza and ate it and i was like no nothing's changed mm. something, something's wrong here. for me it was i woke up on christmas morning and i felt hungover and i hadn't been drinking the night before yeah <laughs> <laughs> that was that was that was the extent of me um i mean i'm aware that we have got, got on for more than an hour this is probably the longest episode of the weekend review on record um so we'll, we'll we'll wrap it up soonish. I mean, I, I don't think we've quite reached a, a natural conclusion yet. Um, but I mean, I wanted to circle back to the festival point, right? And I, I think I think it, I think it ties into a wider part of my aversion to the universal approach to COVID measures, right? So we're talking, we're talking, you mentioned Glasgow, right? So say, say you take I don't know two hundred thousand people. I mean, what's the average age of a festival? Like twenty something, twenty something? No, no. So the average age of a festival is going to be about forty. It was loads of old people that go to festivals. It's okay. So say, say for instance, right? Say for instance, just 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 to sort of bolster up my argument here. <laughs> say you have a, you have a festival, and you know the age range is 
16 to 38, right? Um, well, like mandatory? Just on average, right? I mean, yeah, there's some outliers, but I mean, for the most part, people will fall within the category. I think they do. I mean, you'll find out people at, at festival, but for the most part, it's okay. Say, I think you're perhaps, wrong. I perhaps think not, perhaps not blasphemy. Perhaps not blasphemy. Then take someone like like Latitude or um, uh, like an EDM festival. Something like yeah, yeah, something yeah, okay. like that. Right? Just, just you know, a high festival festival. Um, and you have people there who, for the most part, don't have comorbidities. Com- you know, they aren't stage three cancer. They haven't got HIV or anything, anything like, like that, right? And COVID was running rampant around there. Uh, I suppose what I'm drawing a parallel to is the question of, because I, I, I don't actually know the number off by hand, but like how many young people under, under the age of 40 who aren't obese and with no comorbidities died of COVID? How many people under the age of 40 without comorbidities died of COVID in the yeah. UK? Yeah. Uh, probably, probably uh, just, just to hazard a guess, and maybe way off. Low, I, I would low guess. Hundreds, low hundreds. Sorry? Low hundreds, if that. Is that, is that, is that the answer? Low That's hundreds. my guess. Low hundreds, if that. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where it could be zero or it could be a thousand. You know, right. I, I don't know. Sure. Um... Either way, I mean, I, I I I think it still speaks to the fact that 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 they're not going for a targeted uh, protection approach. Um, caught, like led to a lot of unnecessary collateral damage, in, in, as far as you know, education, mental health, economy. I mean, you know, um, people will try and tell you that the reason we're we're on the precipice of, of you know a, a collapse in the economy is because of Brexit, right? Or, or because of you know, or because of you know, just capitalism. But it, you know, it, it's got a big thing to do with the fact that you know the UK is a predominantly service-based economy, and that was shut down on and off for, for a year and a half, and that the but, government but hundreds of billions of pounds. When we're talking about whether young people were killed or not, and clearly, unlike the Spanish flu, which killed young people, this didn't. That I mean, that's clear. That 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 was clear from the beginning. Actually, there were lots of scare stories on Sky News. And they were, I mean, repeated to me by people around me, you know, 21 year old dies. And then it turns out, you know, the individual had anorexia and cancer and something else and weighed four stone and whatever, and then jumped off a bridge. Um, You know what? I'm I'm not I'm not cutting that. That's too funny. Did, did, did you did, do you do you two guys know that George Floyd actually died of COVID? They found oh, COVID no, we're not going there. We're not <laughs> no, going no, no. there. You know, you going can't there. Be, can't be yeah, fentanyl overdose as well. Oh God! <laughs> You're gonna get us. Uh, trying to get a book published, Luke. <laughs> uh, uh, Just cut that out for God's sakes. It's like right, an hour. So let me just add a point very quickly about this point. Right, young people, they weren't as affected by the by the virus. But what we have to remember is they were insulated by the worst strain of the virus, which killed the 30-year-old doctor who discovered it, let's not forget. They were insulated from the worst strain of the virus by the first lockdown. And when they were exposed to it subsequently en masse, they were exposed to less virulent strains like Omicron, or they were exposed to it after having been vaccinated. So I'm not saying that the effects on young people were catastrophic. They obviously weren't. However, they were insulated from the worst of its effects in the initial stages and then subsequently by vaccination. Would the worst of its effect have killed them? Well, somebody in a government department obviously did a bar chart that said it would. And I think this brings us back to the start. Do we need to have, you know, an ongoing war about who was right and who was wrong? Um, and I don't really think there, that, that there is one. I don't see it when I go out on the streets. Yeah, sure. Um, I suppose the, the question is, um, if, again, you know, I, 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 I do believe that... As far as the co- as far as young people go, the the measures introduced did them worse than the virus did, right? And yeah, as Luke mentioned, you know, like the young were sacrificed, right, um, in in favor of the old. Um, the question is, you know, if nothing is done to 
um, deter that in the future, that could easily happen again, you know, for any number of reasons. It could happen for climate reasons, you know, I mean, not not just in terms of lockdowns or mandates, right? But I mean, you know, the just, just control of normal human behavior. Right, exactly, exactly. The, the micromanagement of human behavior, which which kills something inherent in the human spirit, which is spontaneity, the spontaneity of life, right? If life is if life is micromanaged, it can't be spontaneous. If life, if life can't be spontaneous, then, then it can't truly be enjoyed because you you do not you know, live really, right? You're not, you're not get to make decisions that are truly your own without any outside pressure or influence, you know? Um, look at like net zero, for, for instance, right? That could so easily snowball into like set driving hours, right? Or the government forcing you to sell your car or the government forcing you to do this or to do that. You know? They've already got green zones. Banks across the Western world are introducing black cards to the CO2 emissions and whatnot. So that's being prepped right. up in the so, so the question is isn't just, you know, do you forgive the people who put in place these measures which cause, you know, a lot of collateral damage? It's it's do you attempt to deter this happening in the future, you know? And I mean, okay, so I will admit that this conversation with you, Mario, has ever so slightly moderated my view, right? Because prior to hitting hit and record, I was ready to come on here and say, no, they don't get an amnesty, they get Four walls of concrete. Get three. Get, they got four walls, three of concrete and one of metal fucking bars, right? <laughs> but it's been moderated slightly into you know this cannot happen again for any reason, right? It it it, it in order to save the what they view as the meat sack of human life, right? It kills something deeper, you know, which which is you know a, a human spirit, you know. Um, I wrote an article about this time last year about pubs. Right, and how the the measures around you know stick to your table. You can't stand up. You know, you can't go to the fruity or the quiz machine, or you can't order at the bar. You can't talk to anyone that you know in the bar who isn't who didn't enter with you. Right, and yeah, not every bar closed, not every pub closed down during lockdown. A lot did, but not every pub closed down during lockdown. But for a, for a good period of time, every pub in the country lost its spirit. You know, and I think that is something that needs to be addressed, which is not just the physical life that we live, you know, not, not just, you know, again, what they view as the sacks of meat that we, we walk around in, right? It is the soul of life that was for, for a very long time was completely suppressed and anyone who complained was either silenced, censored or shouted out in the street, you know, and that's the, that's the question, you know, do you allow that to be forgiven without any, any repentance at all? You know, and do you let it happen again for any reason? I say no and no. Yeah, I, I hear you. Uh, Luke, anything to, anything to say? Well, just go, going back to my uh, original point about uh, the amnesty, is that they're just trying to fake their own ignorance of it, just brush it under the carpet, not not even tell you whether they're planning this again or, or whether had things gone you know, in, in a better direction for their you know, inflated figures, that they would continue it. I mean, there was a point at the pandemic where um, it was heavily suggested by I know, the UK government that uh, you would be declared unvaccinated even if you were double jabbed because you've had to have the, um, the booster. Yeah. And uh, luckily that, uh, that fell away just in time along with vaccine mandates in general. So, yeah, I, I don't think people that initiated this and there is, of course, show any remorse. Yeah. yeah. They're just... You know, in the US, they're up for re-election, and they're trying to make you forget about it. That's it. Yeah, yeah. A, a, a new current thing comes along, and uh, suddenly everyone gets amnesia. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I, I think we will leave it there for this week. It's been a, it's been a, it's been a very long episode, a very uh, arduous one. Congratulations if, if, if you've made it to the end. Um, but uh, thank you for listening, and we'll see you again next week. Cheers.